So if you remember from chapter 1, there's a great prophet and there's a kingly ministry of the Son. The Son has a greater name. The Son has a greater position. The Son has greater power. Even the strongest angel. So he's reminding these Christians, don't be discouraged in the time of suffering and what's going on in the world. Because Christ is the prophet. Christ is the king. And in later chapters, he's going to unpack the priesthood of Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. So, with all this in mind, in chapter 2, verse 1, he says to us, therefore, that therefore reminds us to go back to chapter 1. What I've said in chapter 1, pay it attention to now what I'm saying. So he says, we must give heed or pay close attention to these things about Christ. What the author is saying through the Holy Spirit is this is the revelation about Christ. You Jewish Christians, despite persecution, despite being scattered, pay attention to the gospel of Christ. The gospel, which is the power of God to salvation, revealed first to Jews and then to the Gentiles, the Greeks. This gospel that promises an alien righteousness and promises that for all who believe it, the just shall live by faith. So, there's a call here to pay attention to the gospel that's preached. There's a call to repentance, to faith. There's a call to submit to King Jesus. He reminds them, you heard this good news. This is the gospel you trusted. The gospel that saves you. So pay attention to it. Cling to the gospel. There's no other gospel. There's no other name given. 
under heaven by which men can be saved. You've heard of Christ. You've heard of his work. You've heard of his purpose, his person. So stay close. Abide with Jesus. Don't go to back to the Jewish law. Don't go back to Sinai. Don't go back to the circumcision. That won't save you. That will condemn you. Now notice. In verse 2. He reminds us. You must take heed. Lest you drift away. And he tells us. That throughout the Old Testament. God has spoken. And revealed his word. And his will. Through the prophets. And even through angels. And the word spoken. Back in those days. Was steadfast and true. That is what God said through those spokespersons, whether a man or an angel, whether a prophet or a layperson. That word, those promises came true. What God said was true. What he promised came to pass. So when Elijah said to Ahab, if you stole it, the vineyard, Ahab, as the dogs licked the blood in this vineyard, of Naboth, the dogs will lick your blood. Did it come true? Yes. It took three years. Sometimes God's promises take time and move slowly. But God's judgments always come true and always come with a litany that crush the sinner. So, he's reminding us what God spoke through angels and prophets came true. Judgments, but prophecies. 370 prophets, prophecies about the Messiah. All fulfilled in the person and work of Christ. Some of them major references. Some of them more minor allusions. But all fulfilled in Christ. The odds of that happening through any other person are zero. The odds 
calculated is 10 to the 17th power. So he's saying to these people, you Jewish Christians, scattered, suffering, you've lost homes, jobs, you're being troubled. But look to Christ, your Savior, because the word about Christ through the angels, through the prophets, is true. God does not lie. Amen? Isn't that encouraging? We might have struggles. We might have illness. But God said it. And it will be done. The scripture says all of God's promises are true. And yes, and amen in Christ. Will God judge this world? Yes. Peter reminds us. You laugh, you scoff. But so did the people in Noah's day. Eat, drink, be merry. And then came the flood. And it was too late. Does God tell us to seek revenge? Does God tell us to go down to Egypt and form a partnership with unbelievers? No, he says, look to my word. Look to my spirit. You're united to Christ. Stay with Christ. And you will be saved. And how are you to walk? You're saved by faith. The just shall live by faith. Day in and day out. It's not going back to myself. My ways were the ways of the world. Like I tried, Jesus. That didn't seem to work. No, it's the same gospel that brought us into the kingdom. Keeps us into the kingdom. But notice that the writer says, some of you will scoff. Will God judge sin? It doesn't seem that God's in control. It seems that the world is running amok. The Roman emperor does he what he wants. The Jews who hate Christ persecute us. What should we do? Maybe we should do something else. But the writer says, the word of God is true. And all sin, all wickedness, brings a sure and permanent judgment from God. It may take years, but it will come. God took 
Noah preached righteousness to the people. Did they laugh? Maybe you remember that Bill Cosby routine. Noah, what's this boat in my driveway? You know, for a hundred years. Sure, Noah. What rain? You're a fool. Noah was faithful to God's promise, God's word. And then one day, then came the rain like never seen before. And this writer says, sin is judged because God's word is steadfast and true. So he says, you have to take heed. Pay attention to Christ, to the, the word of God, to the spirit. I don't know when this book is written, again, probably by Paul, possibly sometime in the 60s, perhaps after some of the Gospels and some of the other books. So, there is the Old Testament canon, and perhaps some of the New Testament books. But God's word is steadfast, faithful, and true. So he says, pay attention, take need. Now, I titled this sermon, The Strong strongest warning. In verse 3, he says, How shall we escape if we neglect this salvation? What salvation? The gospel of Jesus Christ, the prophet, the priest, the king, who died on the cross as a legal beetle substitute for sin, who imputes to his people righteousness, who takes away the wages of sin, and gives you the gift of eternal life. The warning is here. Do not neglect this gospel. There is no other salvation, no other name under heaven given by which men might be saved. If you neglect this, you're in great danger. He's basically saying what John 3.16 said, that whoever believes 
has everlasting life and will not perish. But the converse is true. Whoever does not believe perishes. In John 3, they said, If you believe on Jesus, you have life. He who does not believe does not have life. So, this is a strong warning. Do not neglect the salvation promised and provided and applied by God through Christ and His Spirit. Now, my friends, don't look to anybody else. Don't look to any other revelation. Don't look to any other mediator. Don't look to Mary. Don't look to the Catholic saints. Look to Christ. This is God's perfect provision. In Numbers 21, the Israelites, while in the wilderness, suffered a judgment of God by venomous snakes. Many people were bitten and died. And they asked Moses, do something. So Moses prayed. He interceded to God. And God said, Moses, here's my provision. Make a brass snake. Put it on a bowl. Walk around the camp. To all 12 tribes. That might take days. People had to go look at it. Maybe crawl or be dragged or carry. But it took a step of faith to believe in the God's provision. The only provision. They couldn't say, I think I'll go to the medical center on Mount Sinai for the cure for snake bite. God said, Look, and you'll be cured. Don't look in your stubbornness and pride. You will die. And some die. God, in his mercy, made a provision. God, to sinners, gave us Christ. Our redemption planned before the beginning of the world. Provided and accomplished through the person and work of the Son and applied to our wicked hearts through the Spirit. And so the author is reminding us look to Christ, the provision is there. Don't look to a false teacher. A false Messiah, a false book, a false prophet. Don't lean 
on Satan in his kingdom. Don't look to the ways of the world. There's no salvation. It's a great trouble if you neglect this provision. Now, I believe all of you have trusted Christ. So the promise to those who believe to the Jew and the Gentile is eternal life, forgiveness, righteousness, sonship, adoption, focus on Jesus, whom you're united to. And he reminds us all this salvation, all these promises are confirmed to us by what God has spoken, God has promised, God has done. And he says, he confirmed all this to those of us who hear because God bore witness through many signs and many wonders. How many hundreds of times in both the Old Testament and the intertestamental period and the New Testament did God do miraculous things to display His power, His provision, His word. So He confirms. Here's a witness about God's way. Look at all the signs. Look at all the wonders. John said at the end of his gospel, Jesus did so many signs, you can't even write them all down. We just wrote down a few to testify of who Jesus was and what he did and what he said. Jesus told those who criticized him, okay, you don't like me, then trust the signs and miracles that I've done. This proves God sent me. Nobody else could do these things. The one guy who was blind and the Pharisees and leaders are criticizing him. And he said, well, I don't know who this Jesus is, but never in the history of Israel was a man born blind being able to see again. So he's telling us these scores of miracles, feedings, healings, 
terrified of. He has power over demons. He cast out thousands of one man. He has power over disease. A woman who was sick with bleeding for 12 years. He has powers over nature. He calms the storm. He has power over death. He raises the 12-year-old girl back to life. And Mark chapter 2 said, not only do I have power to heal a crippled man lying on a, on a mat, but I'll tell this crippled man, your sins are forgiven. I, the Son of Man, have power to forgive sin. That's mighty Jesus. That's God's redemption. This is what the Bible and all this testify to. The truth of God's word spoken and written. Brothers and sisters, when it's hard, look to God's word. Look to God's spirit. Stay united to Christ because he's true and the redemption is true. He also says, besides signs and wonders, and by the way, there's a list of some uh, verses, Isaiah, Luke, others, where Jesus said, I'll tell you how you know I'm the Messiah. When the Messiah comes, the deaf will hear, the mute will speak, the lame will walk, the blind will see. All those verses, Jesus is quoting, this is proof that I am here, full of the Spirit of God, whom he was anointed with at his baptism. But notice, there's one other testimony about the truth of Christ. Besides the, besides the prophetic word, besides the signs and wonders, but the writer tells us, and by the way, God gave to you his church, his people, whether Jew or Gentile, he gave to you his Holy Spirit poured out as promised on the day of Pentecost. Jesus said, if I go away, I will not leave you as orphans. I will give you a counselor a comforter who will teach you all things. And when the Spirit comes, you will feel and have the power of God. You shall be my witnesses. Jerusalem 
this testimony. The word. The signs. The spirit. Now he says. He gives the spirit. According to his will. God's spirit. Gives different gifts. Sometimes very ordinary. Sometimes very extraordinary. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 11, Ephesians 4. Talk of these giftings and offices. This is what God chose to give to his people. Not everybody is a pastor teacher. Not everybody can do helps. Not everybody can be have the gift of administration. Certainly not everybody prophesies or speaks in tongues. But God gives to his church his believing people the gifts suited for them to use for the edification of the church and the ministry of the gospel the gifts you have don't be discouraged it's the gift God wants you to have Understand it. Exercise it. Don't be envious for other gifts. Use the gifts by God's Spirit that He gave you. But look to Christ. This great salvation Testified by prophets, by angels, by the word, by signs, by the spirit. We cannot neglect it. If there's any end of discouragement today, I encourage you to look to Christ. Confess your weaknesses. Confess your doubts. Cling to Christ. The same gospel keeps you. And for those, and we have people passing by who aren't hearing much, but to the world around us who do not know this Christ, this gospel must be preached and witnessed. There is no other salvation. They may mock. They may scoff. They may get angry. But we must share this good news. We must not neglect to tell others about the work of Christ. 
thousands may hear us. Maybe only a few listen and repent and believe. But our job is to tell others of the great salvation of the mediator of Christ. God has his people. He has his elect. Don't you believe God loses not a single one of his elect. But our job is to present the gospel to them. How shall they hear but a preacher be sent? And if they hear, they call upon the name of the Lord, confess with their mouth, they will be saved. So twofold today, look to Christ. Don't be discouraged. This salvation is true, complete, and good, and at the same time, preach it because if somebody doesn't hear it, that's sad. If somebody hears it and neglects it, it's danger to their soul. We want to preach with prayer and power and the unction of the Spirit that sinners would be saved. That's not take it lightly. I was sad a couple days ago a friend of mine died of liver cancer. 71. I don't know his spiritual condition. I sent him a way would see Jesus a few months back. I don't know. But it's, it should trouble us to think of people who are perishing. Do we want, do we love them enough to tell them about Christ? If they reject it, it's not on us. They're the ones accountable to God. Mark, would you pray for us? Thank you. Our Father.